exploit it. I'm Alexis Strowski. I'm Kevin Daly. And on this bonus episode, we're talking about Jaws 3D from 1983, directed by Joe Alves. A creature alive today has survived millions of years of evolution. It lives to kill a mindless eating machine that will attack and devour anything. One terrified you like nothing you have ever experienced when it captured your imagination and tapped your fear like no movie before it. Then, just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, two continued the legend and spread the fear. Next summer, nature's most terrifying creature takes on an all-new dimension in an all-new adventure. And for the first time, the terror of Jaws will not stop at the edge of the screen. Jaws 3D. The third dimension is terror. So Joe Alves only directed one film. I'm guessing it was this one. Yeah, um, he was a production designer, and it's actually kind of noted production designer. Yeah, the name is familiar. He so. did the production's design on the other Jaws movies. Yeah, okay. Um, he's worked closely with Spielberg. So, I mean, he's a competent production designer, middling director. Yeah. Not, not terrible. Awful. Yeah, not awful. And I guess the other big question to address here, is Jaws 3 exploitation? Well, the 3D thing definitely pushes it into that realm. Yeah, they are totally using a gimmick. It is an unnecessary sequel. It's true. And the big thing is SeaWorld, which is a very exploitive place to begin with. True. I actually um, rewatched the documentary Blackfish. Oh, yeah. After Jaws 3. I'm sure you know that documentary. Yeah. Basically about how shitty SeaWorld is. Yeah, full disclosure, I hate orcas in general, but uh, let the let let them go murder seals and torture other animals for fun and pleasure in the wild and keep them as far away from me as possible. Yeah, but just don't put them in parks, man. Why would you put a giant apex predator like that in a tiny tank? Which apparently they don't do anymore. Thank God. Because, well... This documentary is part of the reason SeaWorld started to wise up. That maybe keeping giant animals, mammals, they still have orcas, but they have them in like huge giant observation tanks that are like 2 million gallons. They're not the tiny little cages they had before. And they do not do performance shows with them. That's probably for the best, considering, you know, giant murder fish. I know they're not fish, but still. Seriously. The animal I'm scared of the most on the planet is an orca. Oh, we're doing a movie about orcas pretty soon. Uh, it's they're, called Orca. They are incredibly intelligent, vicious, and big. And uh, none of those things. And they live in an environment where I it's completely alien to me. I do not want to go anywhere near where orcas live. I don't have any interest. I don't want to go near them. Yeah, a 30-foot dolphin that likes to fuck with you. Uh, well, they live in the most dangerous place in the world, the ocean. Yeah, where they are <laughs> the most dangerous thing in the ocean. I mean, not even getting on the animals. Do you, you got to imagine how fucking haunted is the ocean? There's a lot of bodies in there. Yeah, a lot of ghosts. 
yeah. Anyway, I, I do hate orcas, but we kind of digressing. But yes, they don't deserve to be kept in tanks. Let them do their thing where they belong. I'm going to stay here on land. Yeah, well, actually, um, this movie it takes place in SeaWorld Orlando. No dolphins. I mean, nope. No, we get plenty of dolphins. No orcas. Is it? Don't they have a scene with an orca earlier on in the movie, though? I don't think so. We might get stock footage. Yeah, maybe it was just like, oh, hey, it's, that's why I was kind of confused. I thought it was SeaWorld San Diego for a while, and they're like, oh, it's Orlando. I'm like, oh, okay. I know it's Orlando because you see police cars. They all they all, they all say um, Orange County Sheriff. Yeah, not but not the other Orange County. <laughs> no, not not your Orange County. Not my Orange County. No, this is Orange County, Florida, where Orlando is. That's actually kind of bizarre now that I think about it because it means like Disney has parks in both Orange counties. Well, Disney has a park. Half of it's in Orange County. Half of it's in. The other county. Half of it's in the Disney-controlled part of the state. Well, not anymore. They just passed that resolution in Florida to take away Disney's self-governance rights. Yeah. And that's a whole other topic for a totally different type of show. Probably. Unless Disneyland, unless Disney World shows up in one of these movies, then. But anyway, yes. SeaWorld horrible. Uh, right. So, Jaws 3D, I bought it on Blu-ray because I wanted to see it in 3D, and I thought it would be the Anaglyph 3D that I have on my uh, Friday the 13th Part 3 DVDs. Yeah, with the blue and, like, well, basically the same way you would have watched it in the theater in 1983. Yeah, with the, the red and blue. It's it's called Anaglyph. Yeah. But no, they shot it with a different 3D, so this Blu-ray requires a 3D TV and a 3D Blu-ray player, neither of which I own. Yeah, I, most people don't. So now I just have this regular-ass Blu-ray of Jaws 3 that has no features. 3D was its only bonus feature. And now I need to justify the purchase by, like, inviting people to my house and dropping them, Hey, let's watch Jaws 3. Shred off as a business expense, it's fine. Well, yeah, because I don't own the other Jaws movies on Blu-ray. I don't own a lot of physical media since everything's streaming. Yeah, uh, physical media, definitely. Well, a topic for another day. Yeah, but Jaws 3. So we uh, start with uh, the shark being at sea. Jaws theme, and it it eats a a fish. Yep, and head floats at the uh, water for the screen for some... Really bad composite images of these. Anytime there's 3D, you have just horrible composite imagery. I mean, you could go on Twitch, right? Twitch TV right now and watch a thousand streamers with better, like, green screen effects, blue screen effects than this movie. There's a scene later in this movie where it's actually clipping out and you lose the image. I know. It's terrible. So we got the floating fish head. And it's actually, what they did is they just shot a fish and then kind of green-screened out the rest of its body. Because this fish is still breathing. Its skills are pumping. I know. And we get jet skiers smash cut after the credits to jet skiers. And it's playing a very different music. Because there's music that was written specific for Jaws 3 by a composer called Alan Parker. But then it says, Shark Theme by John Williams. Right. And suggested by the book, Jaws. It's so separated from that Peter Benchley novel. It's only a suggestion. It's like like guidelines, really. And we're introduced to basically SeaWorld Orlando. We have this woman that's going over the dress code with new hires. And telling them not to cut their shorts any shorter. And I'm like, 
That means they must have had a problem with this at some point. Yeah, and they're in pretty short shorts to begin with. It's true. The only thing shorter would just be underwear. Yeah, they didn't want the cheeks showing, apparently. So I'm like, man, that means these girls, like, before previous hires are just, like, hanging cheek. Actually, that's a line in there, because I have it as a note. I have dress code, quotes, show any cheek. That's right. And we're introduced to Louis Gossett Jr. as Calvin Bouchard. He is good in this movie. Yes, he is. He's he's fantastic. Barely in it, but any scene he's in, he just fucking steals it. Yeah, he... Yeah, I, I was looking forward to every scene he came. I'm like, sweet, Blue Gossett Jr.'s back. And so the way that this SeaWorld, not the actual SeaWorld, I looked into it. The actual SeaWorld Orlando is landlocked. It does not have ocean access. It makes sense. Uh, the SeaWorld in this movie does have ocean access, that they have a gate that separates their their lagoon from the open ocean, but the gate's broken. SeaWorld San Diego actually is on the ocean as well. And you get Swell Overman is the guy yes. that's uh, in charge of it. And we get Mike Brody comes to yell at them. Mike Brody is played by uh, Dennis Quaid. Dennis Quaid. I was like, which Quaid is it? It's Dennis. It's, it's the good Quaid. It's the good Quaid. Yeah. And he's decent in this movie. He's fine. Even though he's high in every fucking scene. Yeah, it's all right. I mean, you have to be able to do Jaws 3. He's gone on to do interviews that he was doing so much cocaine at this time, and in every single scene he says, yeah, I'm high. So it had been a few years since I've seen Jaws. I don't know, 10, 15 years since I've seen Jaws. And I never saw Jaws 2, so the fact that it's like, Mike Brody, oh, he's related to the dude from the first movie. Yeah, he's the kid. And I, uh, I read a synopsis of Jaws 2, because I haven't seen it, and some shit happens with the kids. So that would explain the background on what's going on here. Yeah, well, you get the, um, well, Jaws 2, essentially, you have Dad Brody, played by Rob Schneider. Roy Schneider, rather. Uh, not Rob Schneider. That would be a much different movie. Uh, that would be an awful movie. <laughs> I kind of want to see it. Looking at the shark going, you can do it! <laughs> yeah. Yes, I want to see that movie right now. Roy Schneider. No, but he's got the two kids, Mike and Sean. And they feature more heavily in Jaws 2 and suffer some trauma from the shark. So that's why when we meet Sean Brody in this one, he's like, I don't do the ocean. Yeah, because the sh- Right. Nearly killed. Even though the opening of Jaws 4, he's in the fucking Coast Guard. Right. Yeah, because from my understanding of Jaws 4 is it just kind of ignores Jaws 3's existence. Well, you have to think that Leia Thompson totally changed his attitude about the ocean in this movie. <laughs> That's right. I mean, she does have has a way of doing that. But we're getting ahead of ourselves. So coked out Dennis Quaid yells at them to, to fix the gate. And not take over time to do it. And let's see... He's dating, married, engaged, in some sort of relationship with this girl, Catherine, goes by Kay, who d- works with the dolphins. Yeah, she's, what is her position? She's some sort of marine biologist. The head marine biologist, because we get that guy that shows up later. Yeah. That tells her, I'm looking for someone in charge. Totally misogynist. The English dude. Yes. Uh, Fitzroy, Royce? Fitzroyce. With capital R. Played by Simon McCorkendale. Which is the greatest last name of all time. He was in um, a TV show, uh, the the one from the 80s, about the dude that turns into animals. Manimal or something. Animal. <laughs> he was in Manimal. 
He oh. was the animal. In this movie, he's Philip Fitzroyce, and he's this famous, like, underwater photographer. You know, if you had said animal movie show from the 90s, I would have been like, Animorphs? Oh, God. Let's not talk about Animorphs. Though, if you want to talk about exploitation TV, we want to go that direction. I was briefly dating a librarian, and he hated Animorphs. He, every time a kid would come in to check one of those books out, he'd... He'd be like, I gotta take this kid aside and tell him about how bad Animorphs is. You should tell him about how bad the games are. <laughs> oh, I didn't even know they made games of Animorphs. Oh yeah, check out some speedruns uh, from Games Done Quick's like awful game block and watch some Animorphs speedruns. They're pretty funny. I only like their good games. <laughs> awesome di- games done quick. Yeah, they have a, a an awful game block. Incidentally, uh, summer games done quick coming up soon. But anyway. Oh, it is! Hashtag not sponsored, but check it out. Donate to charity, it's great. Oh, I love DDQ. But anyway, back to this movie. So Kay is in charge of the dolphins, and she has her words with Philip Fritz-Royce, who he's supposed to be like... Yeah, there's a whole bunch of shit with this dude, like... Well, he's he's like Jacques Cousteau, but with big-time celebrity status. Yeah, he's and he's friends with Lou Gossett Jr. Yeah. Well, no, the way I kind of imagine this guy is he's... He's, um, fucking what Steve Irwin is basically. He's Steve Irwin, but an even bigger asshole. Well, Steve Irwin was a good man. Yeah, to my knowledge. I guess that's a low bar. This would be pretty easy to be a bigger asshole than Steve Irwin. But he is an asshole. He is. He's a total asshole. Like, when he tells Kay, I want someone in charge, and it just blows his mind that a woman could be the senior marine biologist. I do like that he is incredibly ruthless and completely amoral. I kind of appreciate that about him. He's got this lackey that follows him, the big guy with the mustache, that only calls him governor. The whole movie, he's like, governor, governor. I really do wonder about their relationship and, like, where he got this guy. <laughs> is Was this dude super rich and this is just, like, his family servant? Is this, like, Alfred to, to Batman? <laughs> like, this man is literally, like, some sort of landed gentry. So That's he's an wondering. actual governor. That's what I'm wondering. He's Baron Fitzroyce. Fitzroyce means grandson of Royce. But anyway. I did not know that. Fitz is grandson of. It's a Norman, Norman naming. And you think I would know that because I studied the history of the English language and how many random things came from Norman words. It just, it, it came up a lot in my thesis for college because I was studying the Norman invasion of Ireland. So talking about the Fitzpatricks. And Badla Hastings and all that. Uh, Post-Hastings, because this was after that when they started moving into Ireland and stuff. So, 11, 1200s. Anyway, we have this habit of getting off topic. Get used to it, everybody. Anyway, so, Dennis Quaid coked out Mike Brody. His son, Sean, his brother, his younger brother, Sean Brody, is coming from Colorado to visit. Yep, because that's about as far away from the ocean as you could possibly get. And for some reason, moving from New Jersey to Colorado, he decided to go all cowboy out. He's got the boots and the hat. I mean, you you live in southeastern Colorado. That's not too far from the truth. Well, yeah, with the people I live with, but none of the people that move here from out of state really take up that. <laughs> Just embrace the <laughs> embrace that southern Colorado lights lifestyle. I mean, we have this Wild West Fest at the professional bull riding area every yeah. year. Uh-huh. Which actually they're doing it again this year post COVID. That's cool. But I mean, you, it's fun. 
you have these non-cowboy people that put on their cowboy regalia once a year. Well, it's the rent pair for cowboys. It is. It really is. Uh, Speaking of oceans in Colorado, I'm going to throw my wife under the bus because the story always makes me laugh. So we're driving up along the coast. Uh, We're traveling to to Sacramento or San Francisco. Anyway, we're on the five. And we're driving by. We're on the the bridge or in the Bay Area. And she looks out and she goes, that's the big lake. And I go, that's the biggest lake. That's the Pacific Ocean. They um I had the same thing when I took Martha out to California for Memorial Day one year. It was her and the kids' first time seeing the beach that they were just stunned by all the water. It's it is actually really sobering to just sit there or stand on the beach and look out in the Pacific Ocean and just realize that that goes on for what is functionally an eternity. Yeah, I actually googled recently how many gallons are in the ocean. Like it's, all all the ocean in the world, it comes to like 370 quintillion gallons. It is it is mind-blowing when you actually it's like it's like when you contemplate space. This is the the vastness, the scale is just not really processable to the human brain in the moment. It is very sobering. But Sean Brody is terrified of the ocean. And that's why he became a cowboy. That's fair. We get the guy that was fixing the gate, Swole Overman, is my note. I know his name's Overman. He's just sitting there, standing there in like some dolphin shorts in the opening scene watching the the water skiers drive by, right? And Dennis Quaid tells him to fix the gate right away. No overtime, no overtime. So this man decides to take overtime and jump in at sunset. Because it's a great idea to go scuba diving to fix something at, like, at dark. Is there anything worse than swimming in the ocean to begin with is swimming in ocean in dark? And he jumps in, and of course he's eaten by a shark, and we get the bad 3D of his arm floating in the water. Yep. At this point, I'd like to point out, this movie's rated PG. Well, yeah, but it's right before we had PG-13. This was... This would have been uh, this would have been pushing it as a PG-13. I think this would have been... So- if this was rated today... This would be rated as a soft R. Yeah, it would be because of the it has more gore than our usual PG thirteens do these days. Right, and you know, we, you and I both saw Doctor Strange, which yeah, it, that, which I thought was absolutely pushing the boundaries on what PG thirteen could do violence wise. But it does it well. Yes, no, it's good. I'm, what I'm saying though is that if th- that I think was the pinnacle of what we could handle violence wise in a PG thirteen, this would definitely be an R. But it was rated PG at the time, so yay 80s. Yeah, like in Doctor Strange, when he comes, spoiler alert, as a zombie, (laughs) and inhabits the dead body with his, like, whole suit of wraiths. I was looking at that, looking around the theater, I'm like, yeah, this is not really for a younger audience. So Sam Raimi, though. Oh, we got Sam Raimi movies coming up at some point, I think. Oh, yeah, we do. But anyway... uh, (laughs) <laughs> we keep getting off topic. This is just how we roll, guys. So, Jaws 3. Um, yeah, Swole Overman is killed, his arm floats, and we go to the Brodies at the bar with Kay. So you got Mike Brody and Kay, and then Sean Brody sees that they're playing some bar game where people push each other around. Apparently it's a real game. I don't know. They called it Standoff. I'd never heard about it before in my life. Maybe this is a Southern thing or a Midwest thing that my... You know, California ass doesn't know anything about. It's not a Colorado thing. I'm a bar rat, and I've never seen this. So maybe it's a South thing, Florida thing? I don't know. But 
Sean Brody says he's the champion of this, and he goes and he faces off against Leia Thompson. Right. Who is awesome. I love her. She's great. This is her second movie, apparently, and her first, like, like, odd, like big movie? I think she was in, like, I can't remember what she was in before. It sounded like some sort of, it sounded like a video game or something. Obviously, in 1983, that wouldn't have been the case, but something like that. Anyway, this is pre-Back to the Future. Pre-Back to the Future, pre-Howard the Duck. Yeah, we don't talk about Howard the Duck. <laughs> Yeah. Unless we're talking about the, the bonus scenes in Guardians of the Galaxy, then we talk a lot about Howard the Duck. She beats him by telling him his fly's down. And they no, it's the other him. way around. He beats her. He goes, hey, my fly's down. Hey. Oh. And, she goes, and she looks down to see if he's hanging dong. And, and he knocks her down. Yep. It's like, oh, you pushed me around. You're a big, strong man. I want to sleep with you now. Yeah. That's one of the fun things with Leah Thompson. She always plays these characters that are like, she looks like, Super cute and innocent, and then she's just like a huge whore. It's <laughs> like every character she ever plays. But in Howard the Duck, she's a punk rocker. Yeah. Or what's the? There's a. I think she's in a movie called Casual Sex. <laughs> it's great. She's awesome. I love her. But no, they they hit it off, and they're, they're gonna go have sex on the beach. Right. And we have three overlapping scenes right here because we've got him and leah thompson on the beach she's also one of the water skiers the character's name is kelly by the way uh also uh, my thought is the water skiers are apparently supposed to be adults but they all look like they're 14 so yep not sure what's going on there but and one of the other scenes we have layered here is we have random coral poachers yeah uh, why are there so many people who want to go swimming at midnight <laughs> Well, these people are poachers, so they have to sneak out at night to, to steal coral. Coral is valuable. Yeah, it is. But, but also, why would you be stealing it from SeaWorld? Yeah, I mean, it's everywhere. Why don't you just go to Australia? You've got the fucking Great Barrier Reef in Hawaii. <laughs> oh, Hawaii? I mean, yeah. You can't, you can't step in the ocean in Hawaii without impaling your foot on, on coral. That was my experience, anyway. Oh, I have not been Hurts there. like hell. Hurts like hell, by the way. Stepping on coral is actually, like, hell. Sad. Anyway, sad on that sad note, let's stop for commercial real quick. <laughs> hey, I'm Mike Brody. I'm going to tell you all about SeaWorld and why you got to fucking come down here and see these fucking dolphins and all the shit in the sea. We have a whole ocean of cocaine for the kids. Fuck. Wonder. We have a whole fucking ocean of wonder for you and your family. There's dolphins and a shark and jet skiers and cocaine. Fuck. There's dolphins. God damn it. Keep it together, Mike. <clears throat> we got this underwater adventure shit set up now. So, like, come see that. Like, it's underwater. There's a boat with a dead guy in it. That was my idea. Leave your kids underwater to see the dead guy in the boat while you go off and, like, fuck on the beach or in a bumper boat or wherever. It's SeaWorld, man. You can do whatever the fuck you want. Snort coke off a whale's dick. Anything, man. Just just come to SeaWorld, all right? Fucking, fucking SeaWorld, man. All right, and we're back. So the other third scene on here is Mike Brody and his girl Kay. He is thinking of accepting this job in Venezuela. Which, why would you accept a job in Venezuela in 1983? That seems like the dumbest thing you could possibly do. 
and he absolutely does not want to go because he doesn't want to leave her because she's on contract to SeaWorld for like another two years or something and they don't want to do this long distance and my note is just don't go to Venezuela then I mean that would be the the smart decision I mean like oh it's more money like are you happy with what you do now then just be happy with that Get involved in a coup attempt you know <laughs> casual corrupt government yeah, Venezuela was. I mean, still it's, a, it's still got some problems, and in the mid '80s, was definitely not a place you wanted to be. So we get Leah Thompson in a bikini running around and dragging Mike into the ocean, even though he's got a phobia. And just as they're about to irresponsibly do it in the ocean, that's where we get that uh, scene where Mike pulls up in his jeep and is like, "This is the police." Because his brother totally wouldn't recognize his brother's voice. And um, oh, and then Kay gets on it, and that's when Kelly is like, "Hey, I know that voice." So Kelly knows Kay's voice better than uh, Sean knows his own. Sean brother. knows his own brother's voice. Yep, that's that's what I got out of that scene. Also, apparently, these are supposed to be adults. That was the other thing. And I like the fact that. Um, they're caught in their underwear, just about to have sex in the, the sea. Which is a bad place to do it. Let's and they, they think for a moment that the police are busting him, and she goes, It's okay, I'm a water skier. Apparently that gets you, gets you out. Apparently they, they very value their water skiers, Apparently that they can so. do whatever they want. Meanwhile, our coral poachers are killed. Right. And I have a note here that it's very slasher film aesthetic. Yeah, this we could, well, at the very end... I have many thoughts about this movie, and I will I will share them at that point. They both die, and then for no reason, the shark eats the boat. Their little inflatable boat. Because <laughs> it can. Like, they both go in the water separately, and are eaten underwater, and then the shark just eats the boat. He's got to get rid of the evidence. Yes, he does. At about It's about this time that I had a epiphany that the character Brody Bruce from the Kevin Smith movies is a reference to Jaws, and I realize that I am, in fact, the smooth-brained one. Yeah, Brody is the family, and Bruce is the name of the robot shark. Yep. Uh-huh. I finally realized that 20 years after the fact. Yay me. Got him dumb. And let's see. Oh, this is actually where uh, we have the misogynistic moment with Fitzroyce. Yes, Fitzroyce. Because uh, they've been spending a lot of time with these dolphins, which I assume, and actually in this movie, they'll be important later, because they certainly weren't in Cruel Jaws. No, they, 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 the dolphins have more to do here. They actually do stuff in this movie. I mean, dolphins are apparently way easier to train and are totally chill with it, unlike uh, apex predators like orcas. Yeah, dolphins, dolphins are interesting creatures. They kind of like people. They like hanging out with people. But Kay and Mike decide to jump into a sub. But a sub that still requires them to wear water-breathing gear and be up to your face in water. Yeah, so it's a useless submarine. I do like that they, they talk to Fitzroyce here. The Kay's talking to him and mentions that he sunk a Japanese whaling boat. He rammed his ship into it because he needed a good shot with his, for his photography. So that's how Dag Sorensen and Kroll Jaws lost his wife and <laughs> there you go. will to live. That's why his daughter is paralyzed. There you go. We've we found the link between Jaws 3 and the unofficial Jaws 5. That actually is great headcanon. I'm keeping it. But totally. I, I'll, I'll say this again. I like that he's that ruthless. Just something about that just tickles me. But Kay and Mike and the sub, it goes on forever because it's just showing off underwater photography in 3D. 
This is like that scene in the Star Trek motion picture where it spends 20 minutes showing you the ship. Yeah, and it's just awful. Well, the sub keeps clipping out because of the terrible green screen. I've seen less bugs in Bethesda games. I mean, I was watching it on Blu-ray, and there's it's clipping out the front of it, yeah. And like a Bethesda you, game, the, the ship is caught in a rock. And <laughs> right. You can't go anywhere. You clip through the game, go out of bounds. Yeah. We're speed running we're speed running Jaws three at this point. And the dolphins are splashing around. It actually plays the Jaws theme for one of the dolphins. <laughs> yep. Because it's just a, a jump scare. By the way, I'm pretty sure they play the Friday the thirteenth uh earlier uh with the shark at the beginning of the movie. Pretty sure. Like I said, it has a very slasher film aesthetic. Yes. Again, I have I have thoughts about this movie at the end that I want I want to share because I've thought about it a lot in the last day or so. So they come up to their their fake shipwreck. It's not an actual shipwreck. It's a fake one they made for their underwater kingdom exhibit. And their fake skeleton. And their fake skeleton, which Brody takes all the credit for. He's like, "That ah, was my idea." Yeah, it's a pretty dumb idea, there, Brody. Yeah. You have kids walking through those tunnels. They're going to see this. Man, but when we see some of the other shit in those tunnels, the skeleton is the least of the problems. Uh, yeah. They're attacked by the shark, but they manage to get away. The dolphins help out. Dolphins do that. Dolphins will fuck with a great white. Yeah, like they a do. Like, dolphins will just, like, run around, like, charge it and punch it in the gills and stuff. Yeah, so these dolphins, they fuck up that shark. And then they go to Mike and Kay, and they just grab onto the dolphin tails and get away. I'm pretty sure they said so long and thanks for all the fish earlier. They did. Every time they go out of that tunnel into the, the open ocean, yeah. th- that's what they say. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We tried to warn you all, but oh dear. You may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect. For all the natural wonders that grow around you. So long, so long, and thanks for all the fish. They were like, okay, we got a problem. There's a great white in our park. We got to do something about it. So Philip Fitzroy and his, his peon right. calls him governor. His manservant. His manservant. They're like, well, we're going to kill the shark, and you can televise it. And Philip's line is, they die magnificently. Again, I just appreciate his ruthlessness. But Kay is Comes like, up with no, an even fucking dumber idea. We can be the only place in the world that has a great white in captivity. I'm like, you do realize why we haven't had a great white in captivity, right, Kay? It's not because we can't catch them. And still, in 2022, we still have never successfully really kept a great white in captivity. Because they don't do well in captivity. <laughs> I researched this. The longest ever kept in captivity was like 22 days. Yeah, that's, that's longer than I thought because they do not do well. Yeah, they're not programmed for it. You know, maybe one day someone will have like a basically a ocean preserve <laughs> that functions like a wild animal park. Like, it's just bi- you know billion fucking square miles of ocean and no one can actually see it, but it's technically in captivity. But they, um, they're um they getting ready to go fight the shark, and there is this long, prolonged dialogue, obvious foreshadowing, as Philip is putting grenades on his belt. Yes. No grenades. He's no fun. Uh, no grenades. And he explains how the grenades work, and they fight about the grenades. I'm like, yep, obvious foreshadowing. Also, we get 
tranquilizer juice shot into the camera for the 3D because that's cool. Oh, we get the same harpoon shots we do in Friday the 13th Part 3, where there's a harpoon. Oh yeah, we do get that, the the air harpoon thing. But they manage to capture this shark and take him into captivity for a brief time, and they're, they're working on him, they're doing everything that a marine biologist would actually do. If they were thrust into the situation of caring for a great white in captivity. Which, again, the worst idea ever. But she is like, we cannot put the shark on display yet. We, we you know, we still have to work with him. We're so Louis Gossett Jr. immediately said, put the shark on display. Amber treated to the horrific image of somebody in a Shamu mascot outfit. Oh, which yes. is burnt in my brain till the end of time. Thanks, Jaws Three. Now we have the big opening of Sea World, which is a perfect time for a commercial break. Come on down to SeaWorld Orlando and check out our new underwater adventure-themed attraction. My name is Calvin Bolchard, manager here at SeaWorld. But don't take my word for it. Here are some reviews from customers who have visited and enjoyed our underwater adventure. This first review is from Karen in Palm Beach. She says, I took my child to see the underwater adventure and... There was a dead man floating in the water. My son was scared. He hasn't slept at all. One out of five stars. This attraction's not safe for... Okay. Cameron, here's your problem and solution. If you don't want your kid seeing dead people, then then just don't look at the dead guy in the water. Okay? Simple. Some people like the dead guy. Don't blame SeaWorld because your kid is a pussy. Who else we got? This is from Sean Brody in Colorado. Sean says, I went on the bumper boats and a shark attacked us. It bit the girl I was with. This place is totally unsafe. Okay, Sean. Your problem is that you're from Colorado. No ocean in Colorado, so you don't know any better. SeaWorld is at the sea. There are sharks in the sea. You don't like sea creatures being in the ocean and ski or fuck cows or whatever it is you ocean-hating mountain people do. One last review. From Mary in Orlando. Alright, a local. Always good. She says... We were trapped in the ocean adventure for hours with no oxygen. We almost suffocated to death. Two stars. Look, Mary, SeaWorld cannot be responsible for providing you with oxygen. It is free in the air. You get all the oxygen you want there. If you know you're going underwater where there is no oxygen, then just take a bigger breath first. Common sense. Look, I'm a busy man and can't do this all day. Come get me when there's something really important. And we're back. <laughs> so the big opening of SeaWorld and their undersea adventure, the tunnels, and you had something to say about the tunnels. <laughs> yeah, so apparently tentacles attacking girls as they pass through is totally cool. Popular in Japan. Yeah, well, we're <laughs> apparently popular in Florida as well. 
And there's like voiceover through that. Yeah, this is Captain Sink. It's his name. This is Captain Sink's grotto. And my, I'm just thinking, it's like, ooh, it's like not Scary Farm in there. <laughs> just all all year round. You have animatronic eel heads popping out. It's like a haunted house. It is. I mean, I, you know, when they're describing it at the beginning of the movie, I'm like, this is kind of a cool idea. But uh, then it just got worse. <laughs> and so they um, they have their baby shark because we find out that this shark's really not big. Because it's a little shark. It's a baby shark. It dies. And that's actually a really effective scene. Yeah, it is. Because they have the big opening in this really sick, depressed-ass baby shark. And Cave runs in and is trying to save him, and the shark just rolls over. Yeah. And there's the sound of a baby crying. Yeah, it's a good scene. It's a well-done scene, actually. Yeah, my thought, though, is, of course, what did you expect was going to happen? Obviously, they rushed, but even if they hadn't rushed, there's no way. I mean, maybe you keep it for ten days, and it does the same thing. And at this point, they find Swole Overman's head and body. He just floats on up to the tunnels. And with how horrifying as those tunnels are, I'm surprised people didn't think it was part of the the gimmick. (laughs) Right. Well, and he's like, it's super, like, again, we got, like, some... We got some Italian level gore effects going on with this uh, body, and then they like cover cover the body, and there's like blood on it. But I'm pretty sure he'd exsanguinated by now in the water. Yeah, and they take him to the the morgue at Sea World. Also, there's a scorpion there for reasons. Like they have scorpions in their ocean. Like what? I've never heard of a sea scorpion. Well, not not in the last you know 35 million years or so. But they look at his body, and that's where Kay makes the realization that their baby shark did not do this. The the, the bite radius on this guy's body is a shark at 35 feet in length. Yeah, that's what uh, Lou Gossett Jr. says it would track as 35 feet, which is massive. Yes, that is gigantic. Great whites don't get that big. Yeah, uh, let's see. So this is a big mama jaws and yeah, so the the well the actually big, it's it's fitzroy that tracked oh, it at so 35 right. because they have to run and tell lewis gossett jr in his like underwater restaurant oh yeah that place is cool and um he doesn't want to hear it he's like you talking about some damn sharks mother that's when the shark shows up yeah <laughs> actually really effective scene because they're all in the underwater restaurant trying to convince him that there's this Huge fucking great white, and he doesn't really want to believe him until they see it attacking the restaurant. Right. What I do appreciate, though, that you, you know you have those scenes where like the 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 boss doesn't believe anything, and then it goes on for like thirty more minutes of them arguing or whatever. No, this goes on for like. No, it literally like the shark just shows up to be like the dude's right. Like you know, stoned out of his mind, Dennis Quaid. He's he's right. Here I am. You know, Lewis got so true. Like, earlier, prior to this, he was greedy park owner. But after this, he's, like, full-on management mode, and he's handling it rather responsibly. Yeah, I wonder if some of this... And actually, I made this note. I wonder if Jurassic Park took some beats from this, because the book came out in 90, and then the movie came out in 93. The Jurassic Park book. Yeah, the Jurassic Park book came out in 1990, and the movie came out in 93. And there's a lot of stuff that when you watch like Jurassic Park or especially some of the later Jurassic Park sequels, like there's a lot of beats that they take from this. Oh, especially Jurassic World. 
Yeah, Jurassic World is almost a remake of this movie, actually. Because you have the park with the dangerous predators that goes awry. Yeah, because you have fucking Ron Howard's daughter is essentially Louis Gossett Jr. in that movie. Bryce Dallas Howard, that's her name. Bryce Dallas Howard, yep. They're like, okay, yeah, we got this shark. So that's when you have coked-out Mike Brody's running through SeaWorld, screaming like a madman. Every scene is great. In in a way that only a coked out out Dennis Quaid could do. He is throwing people around, screaming, go away, go away! And he's tripping over baby strollers. The little, like, orca baby carriages. Screaming, all coked out is crazy. And the shark, meanwhile, is fucking shit up. And uh, Leah Thompson and Sean are doing bumper boats, which are awesome. I miss bumper boats. I don't. Well, actually, I never did bumper boats in this environment, where they have it, like, in a cordoned-off part of the ocean. Yeah. I was sitting in that. They had them in pools. I was so I thought it was fun. I have good memories. They were always in pools that were never filtered, because nobody was supposed to go in that pool. Oh, yeah. So it was just hot, dirty water that smelled dirty, like really gas. Fun. Yeah, it's true. It was still fun, though. I, I, I could never run the damn thing, so... I had good times. But they, oh, Leia Thompson gets knocked into the water and bitten by the shark, but not killed. Yeah, she gets a pretty good gash, uh, but survivable. We don't get any initial blood, actually. Like, you were just bit by a 30-foot-long shark. Shouldn't she be like, yeah, shouldn't she be, like, dripping blood when you're... But no, but then you see the gash, and it is pretty it's intense. It's a gash, yeah. It's pretty it, deep. It's not her leg, it's some, like, weird... <laughs> no, but it's a, it's a good good gash obviously it's something you could stitch up and take a long time to heal but it'll heal and we have the uh jet skiers out doing their show and coked out mike oh get out of water get out of water but uh, everyone thinks he's just being it's just a joke oh they can't hear what he's saying because he's screaming like a madman it just comes out as and actually it's very effective because the shark is right behind him you see the dorsal fin you do not get the Jaws theme, which I appreciate. Yeah, the Jaws theme doesn't get used a whole lot in the movie, actually. Yeah, that they're just doing this, and there's this dorsal fin behind them that at first they don't even notice. And the theme isn't telegraphing it to the audience. But all of the jet skiers get away okay. None of them die. Yeah, that's true. And we have the people that are in the undersea kingdom. Right. And the shark attacks. Starts smacking things, knocking screws loose and shit water pouring in actually like right before that because you just have regular people going through and this little kid goes daddy look at the fish and it's the fucking shark yeah i felt bad for the uh the tour guide because 1983 you gotta carry a full fucking amplifier on your shoulder to go. <laughs> don't have to do that these days and this is like some high school junior. I know. Suddenly thrust into crisis mode to manage this panicked crowd that's going to suffocate if they don't do something. It was just told two days ago not to hang cheek. Yeah. And so they get trapped in like one of the little areas between tunnels. And she's trying in the best way a high schooler can convince a crowd of panicked adults. Panicked to... Florida adults. Oh, yeah, they are Florida adults. A like, lot of them are sure Don't them breathe! Are. And so, they, um, park management, you know, you got Louis Casa Jr., Calvin Bouchard, him and Mike Brody, 
they're they're going to save these people and fight the shark. And they're handling it actually rather appropriately. They f even Philip Fitzroy for a moment. One moment has ethics. He's like, I'm going to help you trap this shark. But I'm going to take my camera with me. <laughs> yeah, and that's the note I have. It's like, wow, he's not that bad. And then he's got, we're taking two cameras. I'm like, oh, fuck. And they trap the shark, but he's eaten, justifiably so. But not digested. Yeah, it's, and that's important. And we get this shot that's like his POV in the shark's mouth. And you hear the, ob, ob, it's ob. actually kind of horrifying, really. It is. Like, could you imagine being that? But he's not swallowed. The shark just kept him in a cheek pocket like a squirrel. Well, the shark's full. Been eating a lot of people. And actually, one thing about that shot that I didn't like, this shark has one row of teeth. Oh, yeah. An actual shark mouth, they've got rows of teeth. They look like a fucking, um, that thing in the Tatooine Desert. Yeah, this, uh, yeah, right. This scene is actually the one that made me really think about what I, this is, this is like the pivotal moment forming my opinion on the movie. So, again, I'll, I'll, I want to hold my thoughts till the end, though. What is that thing in the desert that ate Boba Fett? Uh, the Sarlacc? Sarlacc, yes. Sharks have Sarlacc teeth. It's true, they do. <laughs> many, many, many teeth. Give us a perfect opportunity to stop for a commercial break. I'm Mama Jaws, a 35-foot great white shark, and I'm speaking on behalf of all life in the ocean when I say please do not ever go to SeaWorld. Do not support them. They capture animals from the ocean, torture them, put them on display for entertainment. Sick, sick humans. They, they killed my son, put him in some little, little tank where people laughed at him as he rolled over dead. They take killer whales and dolphins out of their natural environment, throw them in these tiny pools and force them to perform. They punish them and feed them all dead fish. These disgusting humans. Don't they have any idea what they're doing? I've eaten sea lions that have thanked me, told me, thank God I'm being ripped apart by a great white shark instead of being taken into sea world. Thank you, Mama Jaws. Thank you. It is so much better for that sea lion to be part of the great circle of life than to be kidnapped, forced into a silly costume, and bark for sick entertainment of humans. So please, don't ever go to support SeaWorld. If you value life and the beauty of marine animals, you'll do the right thing. And if you don't... Well, I'll fucking eat you. How's that sound? Alright, so while the shark is confined is when Mike Brody starts his welding to fix the tunnels. Right. Wouldn't that take an eternity, by the way? Underwater welding? Yeah. Yeah. Alright, we're going to fix those tubes right now. I'm like, it's going to take you like four weeks. It's only him doing it? It's like him and one buddy, because remember, they're down a guy. I mean, well, they get everybody to... They have a whole crew that makes the replacement panels, and he's screaming and yelling at them, all coked out and crazy. Right. Like, hurry up and finish this! Make this strong! This is important, you know? But, um, he does it. Kay jumps in the water for plot reasons. Right. 
I mean, she says, well, he needs an extra pair of eyes. Well, then he should have sobered up and brought one with him. Yeah, well, you know. And the shark comes after him, but hey, the dolphins are there again. Yep, doing dolphin things. The shark growls at them. (laughs) That's the note I have. The shark growls at them. Yeah. Forgot about that. Sharks don't do that. No, I don't think so. I don't think sharks make noise at all. Yeah, I, I doubt it. Would kind of ruin the, their the abilities to hunt things. Well, there's absolutely no reason for them to make noise underwater in the first place. They're not whales that are singing to each other. Uh, dolphins who can communicate. Yeah. Can you imagine sharks singing to each other? Oh, God. Like whales do? Baby shark. <laughs> Baby shark. I mean, they do have that show on Nickelodeon, Baby Sharks big show or whatever the hell it is that is it based off of the song well i mean it's the characters from the song wait like the actual hong kong animation studio characters yeah the the, yeah pink fong characters yeah it's licensed oh wow it's okay i mean it's a kid's show i'm sure you'd rather watch paw patrol i actually don't mind paw patrol Neither do I. But they fix the tunnel still, and the people are saved. Rolling natural 20s on their repair profession, underwater repair skills. And that poor high school tour guide on her Tumblr the next day. That's right. (laughs) Exactly. She's making a TikTok about it. (laughs) The shark says F this and goes right for the underwater command center. Not a bad decision. And we get the, the very... Yeah, it was kind of a bad decision. The most notable shot is when the shark is advancing, and it's bad, you know, composite shark. Right. And then you have the even worse shattering glass effect. So bad. Just as bad as advertised. Yes. I mean, like, if you Google Jaws 3D, you get this shot, this scene. This is the most iconic thing from the movie. And it's pretty bad. I mean, it's really suspenseful up until that shot, and then it's just like, whoa. Oh, wow, that's bad. It's like you're in a decent movie, and then you're thrown into fucking laugh-your-ass-off territory. But, I mean, I was born the year this movie came out, right? So I want to go and see what movie theater audiences in 1983, how they would react to some of this stuff. It probably blew their fucking mind in 1983. You know, I should have Googled newspaper reviews from that time. Yeah, because they're, I mean, they're bad now, but maybe maybe people really were into them in 1983, I don't know. But there were other 3D movies the same year. That's true, it was like a big fad, right? Yeah, it was a huge fad. You had Friday the 13th Part 3, you had Amityville 3D, and they're good looking. I'm not going to say that they're great movies, but they look better than this one. Yeah. But this one did use a different method of 3d like i said they didn't have the it was still aired well screened an anaglyph but they did not shoot it for that that's why the blu-ray doesn't have the anaglyph and probably why it's actually watchable without having to have those glasses i've tried to watch 3d movies with uh the glasses on before and it uh it's, it's kind of painful i've never even tried although sometimes when i see a 3d movie which is very rarely I'll take the glasses off for a second just to see what the screen looks like. Like when I watched, like, Avatar or something. Yeah. And, yeah, it's a headache-inducing blur. It's interesting because I got uh, laser eye surgery in 2019, and I have not been to a 3D movie since because I had a lot of problems with 3D movies and I had to wear them over my glasses. 
now I don't need that anymore, and I still haven't gone to see one. So I haven't seen one in five years or so. They don't. They're not really big. Occasionally, you'll still see like 3D screening. Like I know there were 3D screenings for Doctor Strange. I didn't go to one. So the shark busts in, and you get all those shots of like the shark's head, and it's just Finn hanging out as it's trying to go in there and nom nom everybody. It's Lou Gossett Jr.'s nephew. Yeah, but Louis Gossett and, like, some tech lady. They get out. They get out, but we never see him again, so we don't know if they got out safely. Presumably they did. Well, this is a black man in an 80s slasher film. I know. But it is Lou Gossett Jr. And we see Fitzroy's unswallowed body holding a grenade. Letting it... He's just savoring. He's just savoring. It's fine. He's like a... A jawbreaker. That's right. Just sucking it, sucking on it. Mike pulls the pin on the grenade, and kaboom, shark's head explodes, and we get the horrible, horrible 3D explosion shot. Body parts, entrails, whatever. I'm like, okay. It's just a smear of red on the screen, and then the jaws of the shark fly at the screen, and they look awful. Yeah, it's just bad. And Kay and Mike, they make it to the surface, and their first concern is, where the fuck are the dolphins? Yeah, Kay and those dolphins, much like Billy and his, uh, and his fish. Yes. Only nobody is dumping them over because they know what a marine biologist does. Right. Exactly. <laughs> but the dolphins are safe, and they pop up, and they start doing the little, like, tail fin dance, and we get a, a free shot. Yeah, that looks like a bad Photoshop. Yeah, because we got Dennis Quaid and Kay in the middle, and the dolphins standing up on the side, and it freeze frames on that, and credits roll. I do like that the dolphins, like, one of them shows up, and they're, like, worried, and the other one just does, like, a fucking pirouette out of... Dolphins are such trolls. Yeah, it does the They're just fucking with them. I don't think dolphins normally would just randomly pirouette in the wild. (laughs) Probably not, but uh, those were trolling the hell out of Kay, so... They were. Dolphins are intelligent. They are, and they're mischievous, so... On brand. And they apparently have sex for pleasure. And apparently they have spaceships. Yes, they do. Well, yeah, they they teleport to them when Earth gets destroyed. But, um, that's Jaws 3. Okay, so yeah, that's, that's Jaws 3. So my thoughts. This is what I call a disappointing movie. Well, yeah, it is. No, but let me, let me, let me break it down a little bit more. Um... I went into this thinking it was just going to be another you know, trash movie. Like, Cruel Jaws, bad. Then I'm watching it, and I'm thinking, there's something here. And I'm watching it through, and then there's that scene where the shark's cha- you know, going through the, the, the pipe, whatever that thing is, chasing after Fitzroy's, and then eats him in like first-person shot. And then it dawns on me. This is a, if this movie had production values at all, like they'd spent any money on this movie at all. Oh, they did and, spend a lot of money. They just mismanaged it. Okay, so if they actually utilized their money correctly and didn't waste their time at this awful 3D, this could have been actually a good movie, like a genuinely scary good movie. Yep. And that actually upsets me greatly. And I'm like, this is sad because this could have been good. Does have that aesthetic of a good like horror slasher it does you know and a lot of the suspense building is quite well done like when they realize that it's the mom shark and they're running around that's actually well structured suspense we're not worried about the 3d at those moments 
until right. the water skiers show up again. <laughs> right. And, and then, you know, the, you know, and then for every shot that seems like really intense and you see this really bad shark model, it's like completely dead eyed and composited, composited and looks like it was just drawn there. And it's just like so close movie. So close. You have pretty good performances across the board. Nobody's like really boning it in really, or no one's really bad acting. It's, well, Dennis Quaid was coking it in. Yeah, but it, for that character, for most of the movie, because he has to be like high strung, especially at the end of the movie, it's fine. Hey, when it comes to Dennis Quaid dealing with a crisis, he's better here, coked out, than he is sober in Day After Tomorrow. It's true. Day After Tomorrow is another awful movie, but also just so much white. But yeah, that that's disappointment. Like, just sadness about what could have been it's like it's it's bad but it's not even fun bad because you just you see all the potential wasted i am more forgiving today after tomorrow though because i learned a lot more about roland emmerich oh we'll have to have that discussion we should do a roland emmerich movie like oh how is that how is that not exploitation we should do 2012 disaster exploitation like but yeah jaws 3 is very disappointing it there's so much potential to be a good movie that it could be better than Jaws 2, which is not a very high bar to reach. Yeah, well, and it's it's saying, if you watch, like, Cruel Jaws, and you go, it's bad, but it's fun bad, it was never going to be good. There was no potential here. This was a quick cash grab, Italian cinema just going, doing its thing, make a bad movie with non-actors, they're terrible, it's funny, everyone has a good time. This movie didn't have to be bad. It didn't have to be. It could have been good. It could have been good with just a little bit of tweaking, a little bit of refocusing. This isn't even like a bad script. No, well, Richard Matheson helped on the script, and you know who he is, right? I don't think so. Oh, he did a lot of TV writing for Twilight Zone, and he wrote the novel I Am Legend. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, yeah. He wrote Stir of Echoes. Yeah, so he's, you know, there's the script is solid. The performances are solid. Uh, the direction is fine. Yeah, for a one-time director, yeah. And if they just reallocated budget into making the shark look good, realistic, scary, and not wasting all this time on bad 3D, if, just as a quick cash grab, then who knows? This could have been this could have been good. We might have been like, this is actually one of the good sequels. If they decided movie. not to make an exploitation film. Yeah, if they decided to make a real movie, right. I wish if they just wanted to do the exploitation, they should have just made it terrible. Yeah, they should have just gone just all not, out. Yeah, not thrown in. You not get actors like Dennis Quaid or Lou Gossett Jr. get no names and just fucking throw it. Who cares? Did you really want them to Sharknado this? I mean, if I have a choice between Sharknado... Well, no, and, you gotta you gotta go with Sharknado three. <laughs> oh Jesus! You have to go uh, with one of the the shitty. Is that the time? Is the time time traveling one? No, I know in four they're in space. I know one of them that go back to like the Middle Ages and like fucking tornado of sharks is like chasing them through space time. I, once it got to the point where the guy had to go into the shark that's in a shark to save his kid who had a chainsaw and cut his way out of like three different digested sharks, I was fucking done. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, I'd rather it be Sharknado, because that movie didn't, like, take itself too seriously. That, guy, that movie wasn't trying to be anything. This movie, it, there was no, there was no, like, potential to be, like, a good piece of it. That was an, expo- you know, Sharknado is a B-movie. It was built as a B-movie, designed and acted as a B-movie. This movie could have been, like, a decent film. Like, a good, good, 
Like the kind of movie that maybe like Alien Three level sequel quality. It could have been a Deep Blue Sea, right? It could have been a Deep Blue Sea, and I it it, it wasn't, and I was just incredibly disappointed by that because I want I, I, there's nothing worse in a movie than being meh, right? Like you have either like good movies that are entertaining or like well acted or well shot or whatever, and you have really bad movies that are fun because like the room that are just extraordinarily bad, but they're fun to watch because they're bad. And then you have so many movies in this like gray area between, and those are the worst movies to watch. And this is in that gray area between that could have been like a fun, enjoyable, good movie. Well, the and thing that's that rough. makes a bad movie really a cult classic is the authenticity behind it that the the filmmakers 100 percent believe they were making a great movie um you have that with the room tommy Wiseau's ego led him to believe that he was doing good but when you have your sharknado sequels where they know they're making a bad movie and they're just fucking around those are never as good as when somebody sets out to do something good and they believe it's good like ed wood and right. it ends up becoming just a beautiful thing. This one, it's like you said, it's borderline. Ma- Manos too. The, the the guy who directed Manos obviously thought he was making a very good movie. He was doing his best. Yeah, and Tommy Wiseau made a brilliant anti-film. Yeah, well, he doesn't realize it, and he only admits it after the fact to try and like I don't know, save face. Yeah, but I mean. That's more than most people could say. And this movie is just, yeah, it's in that gray area between, and it's just, it's depressing, because it could have been good. It could have been. Uh, it was the very first Jaws movie I saw. Really? But I was like 10. Oh, so I fun bu- for a 10-year-old. Oh, it was great for a 10-year-old. I liked this better than the original when I was 10. Yeah, well, this movie is very much, got a little more camp, but again, the 3D kind of makes it just, shifts it into camp territory. And Whereas the first one's... Pretty serious. A 10-year-old doesn't get camp. <laughs> right, no. I mean, if a 10-year-old got camp, I mean, the uh, think how think how well Batman and, and Batman Forever and Batman Robin would be received if people understood camp better. I watched those at 16 when I knew what camp was, and I fucking hated them. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's completely off topic, I will die on the hill that Batman and Robin is a better movie than Batman Forever. Uh, I'll agree with you on that one. Batman Forever, incredibly inconsistent film. Uh, doesn't know what tone it wants to take. Can't decide if it wants to be more like the Tim Burton movies or if it wants to be full-on, like, schlock, like Batman and Robin is. Batman and Robin at least knows what it wants to be. Schumacher's like, yep, I know what I want to make this one. I want to make a piece of shit. And I want to make I want to make Bat credit card. I want to make an homage to, like, the Adam West era of Batman. I want Batgirl nipples. Yeah, I want I want it all. I want Mr. F- I want Arnold Schwarzenegger making freeze puns. What killed the dinosaurs? The Ice Age. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Batman Forever is just like, oh, look, it's got, like, campy performances from, like, especially uh, Jim Carrey. But then the other half of the time, it's, like, trying to be, like, serious. It's not good. But Jaws 3, it's... It never goes into camp, although it totally could if it wanted to. And I, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's my point. It doesn't know what it wants to be. I mean, you've got a great setup where you've taken this established shark franchise and you're like, let's fucking put it at SeaWorld. Yeah, that's a great setup. It's a good setup that can be either a fun movie or good movie or fun camp. And they'd never really commit. Right. 
this is the Batman Forever of the Jaws franchise. That, this is the Batman Forever of the Jaws franchise. We we got there. We we've coalesced into a, a coherent thought, and yes, this is the Batman Forever of the Jaws franchise. So on that note, um, next week we are doing black exploitation. We're doing coffee with Pam Greer. Good. I love Pam Greer. Oh, and this is one of her best movies. Um, outside of her woman in prison films. <laughs> well, well, we'll hit those up when we hit them up. They're on the schedule. Of course they are. I mean, you can't you can't have exploitation without women in prison. Yep, but we're doing black exploitation, and let me tell you, writing the commercials for that one has been hard. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine. Because when it comes to white people making fun of black exploitation, you're running at the you got a really thin line to work with. Yes, it's uh, it's uh, it's difficult. That's a that's a difficult line to tread. Yep. But and week after that, we're doing kung fu. So. Oh hell yeah! Love good times. That was Jaws three. Hope you enjoyed it. Big special thanks to Charlie McMullen and William Wright and Martha Page for recording the advertisements heard in this episode. Make sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like what we do, make sure to leave a review and let others know. Help get the word out. For more episodes, check out our website, exploitedpodcast.com. Follow us on Twitter at PodcastExploit or on Instagram at ExploitedPodcast. Or contact us at ExploitedPodcast at gmail.com. Until next time. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all, but oh you may not share our intellect, which might explain your disrespect for all the natural wonders that grow.